0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are life. Thank you, Brother Eli. I want to just remind you guys on what he was speaking on, on the gift cards. Um, Specifically, what we need is Publix gift cards for for Love Life and these moms that are hurting. And if any of you have ever been on one of the marches that we have participated in with Love Life, you'll know and you'll see what a special organization they are and the power behind the message that we bring um, to these abortion centers where... It's just disastrous things that are happening there. Um, But you know, Love Life is such an amazing organization. And I could speak on it because I've been part of the marches. And I've been on both sides of this issue. I've been on a side where I was joined together with a group of people that were preaching in front of an abortion center one day. But the type of preaching that was being done was not an effective style of preaching. It was more of condemnation towards what was going on there, more of condemnation of what was going on with the mothers and uh, the fathers and the babies that were there. And I could tell you throughout my time there preaching with that, that group, no babies were saved. Not even one child was saved. No, not even one mother was responsive to the message that was being uh, spoken of. But now we have this organization, Love Life, and, and it, the, the approach is completely different We're not there to condemn people. We're not there to bring a message of hate. It's the complete opposite. Love Life is there to bring a message of love. It's exactly what's in the name of their organization. We're there to bring a message of love, of hope, of encouragement. And we want these families to know that they're not alone. So we would love for you to be a part of that. And if you could help this organization out by bringing a Publix gift card next Sunday, you have no idea the impact that that is going to make on the families that are in need. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. So it's just by coincidence today, and I was telling my wife earlier this morning that today is a very rainy day. And you're going to hear me in my message today. I'm going to speak a lot about the rain. A lot about the rain and many times, you know, we associate the word rain with something that's not so great. And I don't know too many people here that like to leave their house in the morning and it's pouring rain. I'm definitely not one of those people, especially here in South Florida. You know, we get so many rainy days that, that they're really more bothersome than anything else. We get soaked, traffic gets horrible, and something happens in the rain to drivers that I will never understand. And you guys may know this, just jump on the palmetto in the morning when it's raining. If your regular commute is 45 minutes, now it turns into an hour and 45 minutes. Does anybody feel me here with that? It's crazy. Something happens to drivers in the rain. The rain just changes people. And it's usually not for good. You know, when I used to be on patrol during the summer months, it was constant rain. And there's two types of calls as a police officer that you would never want to get when it's raining. The first one is a house alarm. Usually these calls go out because the house alarms go off because of the rain. And the worst part is I have to park in front of the house or I have to park on the side of the house and I have to get out of my car. And it is the worst thing ever and I have to get out and God forbid that it is a monsoon that's going on. Luckily I have good rain gear But, man, I have to get out, and I know that it's caused by the rain. There's nobody broke in. There's no burglar. Nothing like that is going on. But I still have to get out of my car, and I get back soaked, and then the rest of my shift, 10 hours straight, I'm soaked. That's one call that you never want to get as a patrolman. The second call is a traffic accident. Now, don't get me wrong. Some accidents are really bad in the rain, and, man, we're there to help people with these things. But when I'm talking about a traffic accident, I'm talking about a little fender bender, I'm talking about somebody got tapped in their bumper. Now they're pulled off to the side of the road or even worse, they're stuck in the middle of the road and they're holding up all types of traffic and it's raining crazy outside and they want a police report because they have a scratch the size of an ant on their bumper. So those are two calls that you never want to get as a policeman. So naturally, what I'm trying to get at here is we don't like the rain. We don't like rain. We want sun. We want warm, we want nice beach days, all without mosquitoes, of course. We don't want any mosquitoes. But rain is such an essential part of life, and we know this, that without it, new things will not grow. Things don't get nourished. Things will not survive. I don't know if you know this, but you know there's times in scriptures where people were actually screaming for rain. They needed the rain. They wanted the rain because they were living in drought. And we see this in 1 Kings 17, and I'm going to read it to you really quick, and it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain in these years except at my word. And this is a story we're going to be studying today about Elijah. It's going to be in 1 Kings. So we know the story between Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel. There was a drought and a famine in the land for three years. Some scholars believe it could have been for three and a half years. And this came because King Ahab was living in complete rebellion against God. But not only Ahab, it was the entire nation of Israel. And we're gonna get into it in the story coming up. So, throughout this drought, things didn't grow because they weren't being nourished by the water. And it affected everything animals were affected, trees were affected, food was affected, people were affected. Because they weren't being nourished properly. How many times are we not being nourished by the things of the Lord and it begins to affect us in every single way? Ask yourself that today. Our relationships, the way that we speak, the way that we act, the way that we love one another, the way that we serve, the way that we seek the Lord. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've been in seasons of droughts. And ask yourself this. Are you currently living in a season of drought? Are you living in a season of famine? And if that is you, I want you to know this today, that the Lord wants to pour down His rain on you. God wants to pour His rain. So you see, many times good things can actually happen in the rain. So just for a little bit of context here, so we know the backstory, um, I want you to know a little bit about Elijah and Ahab and at this time, Ahab reigned over Israel. And Israel had many kings before Ahab. I believe they had seven kings prior to him or six kings prior to him. But Ahab was known to be one of the evilest rulers of the time. And we see it in 1 Kings uh, chapter 16, verse 30. It says this, Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil things in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. So imagine this. This is what God. This is the way that God is seeing Ahab as one of the evilest rulers. And Scripture says it, that Ahab built a temple for Baal, and he made altars for Baal, and he lived in complete wickedness with his wife Jezebel. They're worshiping darkness, and he was known as one of the most evil rulers of the nation. And then we jump to verse thirty-three, and it says this: and Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all of the kings of Israel who were before him. So imagine that. So many kings prior to him, and scripture says that none of them angered the Lord the way that Ahab did. And usually in these times, when the Lord became angry, he sends someone to confront the king. And now Elijah steps on scene. And you know when the Lord sends a prophet to confront a king, it's usually not good. It's not good news. And look what he tells Ahab. We read it earlier. It's First Kings 17, chapter 1. Um, this is what he says. Uh, and Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So God sends Elijah to confront Ahab on the wickedness that was happening in Israel. Not just by Ahab, and as I said earlier, it's the entire nation of Israel that was living in complete rebellion against God. They were worshiping idols. They were building altars for Baal. Baal was known as the fertility god. So the Israelites actually believed that it was Baal that was bringing the rain. So as a punishment, what does God do? What does he do? The rain was now going to be withheld and that's the message that elijah brought so that the people may see that worship of baal was useless that there was one true god of israel and that he alone is the one that sustains life so when we talk about worshiping idols and living in complete rebellion we look at today's day not much has really changed when you see things that are happening here in the west how society is living here today A lot of things haven't changed from the days of the Israelites. And I'm sure you can see it. Things within your children's schools. Agendas that want to be pushed politically. And many, many other things that are going on. And as a Christian, sometimes you'll hear, man, Christians should not be involved in politics. But I'm here to tell you this today. That politics is something that a Christian is very involved in. Why? Because the way that you vote sometimes determines the actions of the leaders in your land. And I'm not here to push a political agenda. Listen, I'm not, there's only one person that we serve. There's only one king that we serve. And there's only one king that reigns over all, and that's Jesus. We know that, right? Amen. But I believe that we're giving wisdom and discernment to vote for those or put leaders in place, right, that have an agenda to push forward Christianity, so I want you to know that today. I want you to know that. So when we get back to this, Elijah confronts Ahab. And the Lord sends Elijah away. He co- after he confronted him, God says, Elijah, I want you to go away. He sends him to stay at a nearby brook. And some of us may know this as a creek. And this creek, so you know more or less the, ge- the uh, geography of it, it, it ran near the Jordan River. So remember, there's no rain occurring, and there was a famine taking place, so I could imagine what Elijah at this moment must have been thinking. Lord, you're sending me to a desolate place. How am I going to eat? How am I going to drink? How am I going to survive? But this is where the obedience and faith comes in, because the Lord provides. Have you ever been at a desolate place, but you see God's favor provide over your life? I hope you have. I hope you've experienced that. Lord. The Lord provides, and at this brook, the Lord provides for Elijah. Scripture says that ravens brought him meat, and they brought him bread. And Elijah drank from this brook. So you see, so we learn here that even in dire situations and things that we don't understand, God is still going to provide. And I want you, you may want to write this part down or listen to this part very carefully. What we need to understand is that sometimes God's provisions will not meet our expectations. So Elijah was at this creek for a while, but, not, but sure enough, the creek began to dry up because there was no rain. And maybe Elijah didn't expect the Lord to provide for him in this way. And that's why I say God's provisions may not always meet your expectations, but at the end of the day, God is going to provide So the Lord now sends Elijah elsewhere because the the creek is dried up and he wants him to to sustain. He wants him to live. So he says, Elijah, I need you to move from this creek and I want you to go somewhere else. And this is now where we're going to begin to dive deep into God's word. And the story in the Bible that we're going to be reading today is known as the widow of Zarephath. Some of you may have read this story before. So if you can, if you have your Bibles out. Um, if you don't have a Bible, if you have a smart device, I invite you today to turn to 1 Kings 17, and we're going to be reading verses 8 through 16. And you can give me an amen when you're there. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Kings. Alright, we're going to be starting at verse 8, and it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Remember that it belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little bit of water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to go get it, he called to her and said, "'Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand.' So she said, "'As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, "'only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. "'And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks, "'that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, "'that we may eat it and die.'" Verse 13 says, "'And Elijah said to her, "'Do not fear.'" Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on this earth. Verse 15, So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flowers not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke over Elijah. Let's come into prayer real quick. Lord God, we just thank you for today, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for for these verses, Lord, for the faith of Elijah, Lord God. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that this word is straight from your throne room, Father God. Lord, that everything of me is taken out of here, Lord. That your people here today hear what you need them to hear, Father God. I thank you, Lord. We give you the glory and the praise. And together we say yes and amen. So if you are taking notes here today. I want you to write this down. This is the title of the message, Pray, Trust, Receive. Or you could write P-T-R. And I'm not sure if maybe some of you remember when we did our fast in the middle of January, our first morning prayer, I actually opened up with these three words, P-T-R. And I want you to remember this. As we look through these scriptures today, I want you to keep these three words close to your heart. They're going to come up a little bit later. And we're gonna, we're, we are going to see the significance of these words and how we are going to be able to apply them to our daily life. Amen. So let's get started here. Verse number 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath and, that belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Some of these cities... Just so you could get some biblical... Con- some of these cities are strange, man. <laughs> and sometimes we miss very important things in Scripture. We're not really paying attention to the backstories of the people who live there. So I'm going to break this down for you really quick. Sidon. What is Sidon? It's actually the city where Jezebel, Ahab's wife, was from. And, and when we read 1 Kings, we see that Jezebel and Elijah didn't have... The best relationship, if you remember the story. It wasn't a brother or sisterly love that they had. Jezebel wanted Elijah dead because of the famine and drought that he had brought. So that's why it's so important to know the context and, the, and the, behind the story and the cities where people were from. And why is it important? Because verse 8 says that the Lord is calling Elijah back to the vicinity where Jezebel might be. So there's several observations here. And some scholars believe this, that the distance between where Elijah was to the area where the Lord is calling him to go could possibly be around a hundred miles walking. And now remember, there is a drought and a famine happening at this time. So this was going to be a very treacherous trip given the conditions. Another observation. God is calling Elijah to take a path where his enemies could possibly be. What a strange path to take. Why would God call him this way? I could imagine what Elijah was thinking. Lord, why are you calling me to go back there? Why down this way? But I want you to know this. You know that sometimes the road that God is going to lead you down is not a typical road? Sometimes the path is unfamiliar. Sometimes the way is illogical. Have you ever been in such a situation where God places you on a path that you just do not understand? I've been there plenty of times. We just don't understand, Lord. Why are you leading me down this road? We get down, we get led down a road, down a path that just doesn't make sense. And I think we've all experienced this at one point or another. We question it, we don't understand it. It's not the path that we would have chosen. We want an easy path, a path that we're comfortable in, a path that we know, a path that is familiar. We're always going to choose the path of least resistance, but God is going to put you on a path that is difficult so that the resistance is going to be built up in you. That's why the path becomes difficult sometimes, and as humans, we will never willingly choose to be uncomfortable. But what if God is calling you to be comfortable in the uncomfortable? Have you ever thought about that? I want to tell you this. Don't worry about the path because there's greater glory ahead if we obey what God is calling us to do. Now maybe you might feel like Elijah. Maybe you feel a certain way about the path. But you obey the Lord anyway. You trust Him anyway. Don't worry about the path because remember that God has numbered every stone that you're going to walk on. So let's continue. The Lord is sending Elijah this way to meet the widow. Let's look at the next verses. Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Look at verse 11. And as she was going to go get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Picture this in your mind. Elijah arrives at the gates of the city and the widow is there, just as the Lord said. And something very important here to know about this widow. Number one, she wasn't a Jew. She was a pagan. And not a regular widow. She's a widow in poverty. A widow in poverty who was dying. You know what this says to me? That God will use people that you do not expect. You know what this says? That the gospel is not just for the Jew. It's not just for the wealthy. It's not just for a specific group, but that the gospel is for all. It's not for specific people. And that is just so powerful to me because sometimes in, in this sect that you call religion, you're going to see people and you may meet people that they think That the gospel is only for them because they live a certain way, because they may be living better than you, because they say X amount of prayers every week, because they lay hands on other people X amount of times, because they tithe a certain amount, because they give to certain organizations, and they believe that the gospel is just for them. I want to tell you here today that that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie that the enemy wants to instill, to cause doubt in your mind, to tell you that you are not good enough. What a lie. Because the blood of Christ was shed for all who believe and repent of their sins. That is what the gospel is, church, that you and me are unworthy You know, if God were to get his way with us, and let's say God sends everybody here to hell, he is 100% just in doing it. But man, Scripture said that he is a merciful God, that his mercies are new every single day. And we know what he did. He sent his son to the cross to take that penalty of sin away from us. And as Jesus hung on that cross... I'm here to tell you this today, that he was thinking about you individually. Here today, on this Sunday, he knew that you would be listening to the gospel message. And he hung there knowing and taking a beating. He had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He carried his cross all the way to Calvary. They nailed him to the cross and then his blood was shed for the sins of the world. But we know that the story doesn't end there because three days later he was resurrected. Conquering death and taking victory over sin. So I want to encourage you today. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what you've been told. But the blood of Christ has power to save your soul. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is where trust in the Lord comes in. I want you to imagine this. God leads Elijah down this road that's illogical. Why are you leading me down a path that's going to lead me back to my enemies, Lord? A path that doesn't make sense. And then he brings him, he leads him to a widow that barely has anything for herself. They're in famine, they're in drought. And this woman that doesn't even know Elijah, Elijah comes and appears to her asking for food. This gets crazy because in the New Testament, we see Authors like James. And James says to go and take care of the orphans and the widows. But in this story, the widow is going to take care of Elijah. This is powerful stuff that we're going to be reading here. Remember, God's provision will not always meet your expectations. I guarantee you, Elijah wasn't thinking that God was going to provide for him in this way. The way that you expect him to provide for you may not be the way that he's going to provide for you. And Elijah, he wasn't expecting to go down this strange road. He wasn't expecting to be provided for by a destitute widow. But God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are not our ways. Elijah has activated his faith here. He's activated it. I want you to remember that word. Activated his faith here. Let's go to verse 12. So she said, as the Lord your God lives... I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. And I love, look, look at this, look at f- verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. Look at the scripture. Fear has entered the widow. Someone asking her for things that she does not have. I don't have enough bread. I don't have enough oil. I'm gathering sticks for me and my son. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what is going to happen if I give my all to this man. Fear of surrendering. Fear of going all in. Has God ever called you to go all in? But fear kicks in because you feel that you do not have. And this is where Elijah's Faith comes in. This is where his faith gets activated. Lord, you led me down this difficult road. I made it to the widow's house in which she does not have enough to give me. But by my faith in you, God, I know that you will make all things possible so that I rely on your word. I surrender to your authority and I submit to your majesty. Are you doing that today, church? Is your faith activated today, church? Because Elijah was a man of faith and by his faith, he is now... Going to make the widow a woman of faith. Remember, she's a pagan lady. And it's awesome because in the beginning of the scripture, she recognizes Elijah's God. She says, As for your God lives, I don't have enough. So she's already acknowledging that there's another God other than the pagan God that she may be worshiping. We learn a few things from this widow. Number one, she gave when she did not have. She gave the last meal that she was going to prepare for her and her son and gave it to Elijah. And this is so important. You see, God wants quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. The quality of the giving will always outweigh the quantity of the giving. A transformed heart is giving from quality. Because we don't see things in amounts, but rather in how it will benefit others. And that is the true heart of a servant. We're giving from a place of quality, not quantity. Another thing we see here with this widow is she trusted the words of Elijah when he said, Thus says the Lord. She could have gone down any other road with this. She could have told Elijah, No. She could have turned to him or turned him away. She could have continued to live in fear. She could have eaten the last meal and died. But she chose to trust in what God was speaking to her through Elijah. Have you gone down that road before? Have you turned away because it was just too risky? Did you choose to live in fear over faith? Let me tell you something. You better rest assured of this. If the Lord speaks over you, whatever he speaks over you, It is a yes and an amen. There is no person, there is no entity, there is no enemy that can take away what God has already said yes to over your life. And so many times, maybe we just ask God, why don't you just fill up this lady's jar with oil? Why don't you just make their life a little bit easier? Make it easy. Don't let people pass through these difficulties. You see, if God just fills up the jar with oil... That he wouldn't, we wouldn't put our trust in him and we will put our trust in the jar rather than him. When he actually wants us to come to him and, and trust him with these things. In your life today, maybe you want the blessing, but you don't want to be, trust God to be the blesser. We need to trust that he is going to be the one that is going to deliver the blessing. Trust in the Lord to provide. The third observation, she received the blessing because of her obedience. And also, Elijah was provided for because of his faith and obedience. So imagine if Elijah was disobedient and not taking the road that God told him to take. We'd be reading a very different story here today. If the path that he took was to have faith activated in this widow, then the path was all Worth it. Has God ever called you to have faith in a certain situation, not knowing that your activated faith was actually going to be a blessing for someone else? This would have received because someone else's faith was active. Activate your faith here today. The situation that God places you in may not be for you. But your activated faith in a struggle may be for someone else. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Activate your faith. So three points we have observed here today. Now there's going to be three points to put into practice. You're going to remember them from the beginning. What were those three words that I had said? Pray, trust, and receive. Pray, trust, and receive. Number one... I want you to pray and I'm going to start by saying this so many times we want the answer without the prayer has that been you before I want the answer but I just don't want to pray to you about it God show me the answer some other way let the answer come by somebody else but everything that's inside of my heart everything that I'm carrying inside of my heart I'm not going to talk to you about it Lord just make a way So we want the answer without the prayer. And that's not how things work. What does prayer do? Prayer shows that we are not the ones who are in control. It brings us closer to the Lord. It brings us to a vulnerable place. And that the Lord is able to do work through us and in us. And it helps us to align with God's will. Pray. I want you to pray. Number two, I I want us to trust, and I'm going to start with this. Many times, we want the blessing without the obedience. We want the blessing without the obedience. When the road you are on does not make sense, when it is illogical, when you don't understand, I want you to trust. Elijah was on a road that he didn't understand. The Lord put him back on that road that was leading him straight to Jezebel. And I'm sure he must have had questions. God, why are you bringing me here? Then only to take me to a widow who had nothing, who was dying. Man, but Elijah's faith was active. Elijah stood in his faith and his heart was open. He trusted for provision and he said, Lord... I am going to wherever you call me to go, no matter what the circumstance looks like, I will walk by faith. I'm not going to walk by sight. So church, when you are on a strange road, are you on a strange road here today? Is anybody here on a strange road? If you are on a strange road, I want you to trust. Trust that God is leading you down the right path. Trust that He is the one who is in control of every and all situations. I want you to say it with me, trust. I want you to trust. And number three, receive. Remember the rain that we talked about earlier? You know that God wants to pour out His rain on you? What's stopping you from receiving the rain? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what's stopping you. You guys know what this is? I hope so. What is this? This is how we walk around. When the rain comes, this is what we have. We have the umbrella. We have our umbrella. We get scared of the rain because sometimes the rain is uncomfortable. So what do we do? We stand here with our umbrella open and we begin to block the blessings of God. We have our umbrella open, and and God is waiting just to pour a monsoon on you. But no, man, I'm uncomfortable, God. Let me have my umbrella open. The umbrella is open. And the umbrella could be open for several reasons. Reasons that you may not even know of. We're blocking God's blessings, maybe for several different things. Maybe it's because we just can't forgive a brother. Or maybe it's because we're holding on to bitterness. Maybe we're just we're not listening to our pastors. We're not obeying the word. We're we're not praying. We don't fellowship with others with others. Our hearts have become hard. We become callous to the things of God. And God is just sitting back waiting for you to close the umbrella. We have the umbrella open because there's things that we haven't dealt with. And because of the things that you haven't dealt with, you have an umbrella. And God cannot he cannot give you the blessing because your umbrella is constantly open. Is your umbrella open today? The blessing is ready to come down. He's ready to pour out the blessing. But we ourselves are blocking it. I want, listen to this. Not everything in your life is an attack from the enemy. Okay? Okay? You understand what I'm saying here? Not everything is an attack from the enemy. Some things are found in our flesh. When we don't want to die to our flesh, and the blessings of the Lord are blocked. And when we are blocking them ourselves, we don't want to pick up our cross sometimes. And we don't want to do the work. And Jesus says, we've heard the scripture a hundred times, that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. We want the answer without the prayer. We want the victory without the war. We want the blessing without the obedience. So what do we do? We continue to walk with the umbrella open. And God is saying, man, I'm trying to send a hurricane your way, but your umbrella is open. I want to just drench you with blessings, but you are walking in disobedience. There's things that you you are not doing doing according to my word you're not forgiving your brother you are living with bitterness in your heart there's things that are not right in your mind what i'm calling you to come to the cross of jesus i'm calling calling you to come to repentance but you are not doing any of these things so therefore your umbrella is always going to stay open and the blessing is not going to come i'm telling you here today Drop the umbrella. Get rid of the umbrella. The rain poured over the widow's life because her faith became activated. You see, she didn't open her umbrella to block the blessing. Instead, she was obedient to what the Lord was speaking. The rain is coming, church, but is your umbrella open? Is your umbrella open? God is looking for those who are obedient, and check this, faithful. Are you being obedient and faithful? Can you have a faith like Elijah? Will you be obedient like the widow? The Lord who provides eternal life is the same Lord who abundantly provides for you in times of difficulty and drought. Are you trusting in the Lord through a difficult time? Worship team, you could come up. I could tell you from experience that I have had my umbrella open plenty of times. There's been times where God is, is trying to do a work in me, a, a work through me, but I have an obstacle in the way. And this is the obstacle that I have. I, I, I'm, just, I'm blocking it. I'm blocking the things that God wants to do. And why is this open when he's calling me to have this closed? This is the way we're supposed to live. With this umbrella closed. And let me tell you, there may be purpose for this umbrella at times. Maybe we could use this umbrella to block things of the enemy. Hallelujah. So keep your umbrella close by. You know, I think about the sword of the Spirit. Found in chapter 6 of Ephesians. To bring out the sword of the Spirit. So have your sword of the Spirit ready to go. Have your umbrella ready to go when things of the enemy come. But man, don't block the blessings of the Lord with this. You know, we see the story of Peter. And Jesus called out to Peter out of the boat. And Peter didn't wait for Jesus to come to him. But he went after Jesus. And I could imagine what the disciples must have been thinking at that moment. They're in a boat and there's a storm. And, and they see Jesus walking on water. Some of the disciples got scared. They said that. It's a ghost. Who is that? But Peter looks that way. Man, he goes, oh man, it's not a ghost. And For that split second, Peter saw in front of him what, what, what was there. It was, it was the light. It's when we become fixated on things around us that, that we run into trouble. You see, Peter looked at his circumstance around him and, and he saw that... I, I might be in trouble here. But yet, God still, Jesus still calls him out to walk. And he begins to walk on water for that split second. Two people in history that have ever walked on water, Jesus and Peter. But it wasn't until Peter got fixed on the circumstance around him. His, his faith was not activated at that moment. That's when trouble came. That's when, that's when trouble arised. Instead of fixing his eyes on on help, he fixed his eyes on the circumstance. And maybe God is calling you out of the boat here today. And he's telling you, don't worry about the circumstance around you. Don't worry on on how you're going to provide. Don't worry on what the doctor's going to tell you. Just keep your eyes fixed on me. Aren't I your shelter? Aren't I your your high power? Fix. Keep your eyes fixed on, on the cross. Maybe he's telling you, just have a little bit of faith. Watch me move. Maybe, maybe start being a, a little bit obedient to my word and watch me bless you. Maybe start praying so that you can receive an answer. You want the victory without the war, but how am I going to make a, a soldier out of you? The process of trusting may be hard, it may be difficult. We, we may not see beyond it, but the return in our obedience to trust is much greater. It's much greater. And some of us here today, maybe we're, we're having trouble with just praying. Maybe someone here where we're having trouble trusting God. Maybe we're having trouble here receiving the blessing. Could you guys stand with me today? You know, sometimes the road that we're going to be led down is not a, it's not a typical road. Sometimes the path is unfamiliar, and sometimes the way is illogical. We're not going to understand it. Have you ever been in such a situation? I find myself in a situation like that all the time. And I believe that we have a choice. We come to a crossroads there. Are we going to walk down the path of defeat, or are we going to walk down the path of victory? And when you come across these situations, I want you to remember these three words. It's pray, trust, and receive. Pray, trust, receive. So important to the life of of a Christian that we just constantly live our lives in that. That we're constantly praying. We're constantly trusting you, God. And in the trust, in the obedience, man, that I know I'm going to receive the blessing. God may provide for you, but not in the way that you're going ex- to accept. Come on, help me out. What's the word? Expect. It's the same word, just I had letters twisted around. <laughs> He's going to provide, but it's not going to be the way that you expect. And are you okay with that? Are you good with the provisions of the Lord? I pray that God is going to provide for you. I pray that you begin praying. I pray that you begin trusting. I pray that you begin to receive things of God. My biggest prayer in here today is that your life is centered around the cross of Christ. That your whole world revolves around the things of the Lord. Things that we do here, yes, they're important. Absolutely. Your jobs, they're important. Your family, they are important. Everything here, this, this, these things are important. You are on a mission. Everyone here is a missionary. The second you took on the title of Christian, you have become a missionary. Where is the mission field? The mission field is right outside these doors. As soon as you walk out, the mission field Begins. So I pray that you are so rooted in the things of God that when you walk out these doors, you are prepared for battle. You're prepared to encounter the ugliness of the world, but yet I want you to encounter the hurting of this world. Why? Because you possess something that the world needs. You have hope, you have a message of encouragement. You have a message that saves souls. That's what I pray you take out to this world. I pray that we don't just leave here, man, the same. I pray that tomorrow comes around and we just forget. We forget to pray. We forget to trust. We forget to receive. Man, I pray this is something that we just live. Something that we take on with us. I heard a pastor say this once. I just don't want you to hear the gospel. I want you to live the gospel. And that's what I pray for here today. Can you guys just stretch out your hands with me today? Lord God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this word, Lord. Because we know anything from your scripture, Lord God, never returns void. Lord, and I don't know what my family in here is going through today, but I want to pray a word of encouragement over them, Lord God. And they're at a place where they are unable to pray. They are unable to trust you. They are unable to receive from you. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you just rip that umbrella out of their hands today, Father God. Lord God, I want them to know, Lord God, that you have provision for them. It may not be in the way that they expect it. But we trust Lord that your provision is always right your provision is always good your provision always prevails we thank you Lord and so many times we faced battles here and we forget that the greatest victory was already won on the cross so we may face things here that are difficult We may be in a path that is illogical, on a road that does not make any sense. But Lord, we know you are laying every single brick in front of us to walk on. And we put faith and trust in that, Lord Jesus. We give you the greatest praise in here today, Lord. We give you the greatest glory in here today, Lord. We say yes and amen to these things. Can you guys just take a second there? Amen. Give the Lord the greatest praise give him the greatest praise amen as the worship team just plays a tune here if you want to take just a second there just to meditate just cry out to the lord man just speak to god if you haven't prayed in a long time i would love to pray with you i'll come alongside you the altar up here is open man just just spend a moment there with with jesus at the foot of the cross
1: de poder
0: recibir lo que me has dado a mí vivo
1: para ti más grande ser que viviré was preaching. The word says that we need to be obedience. And there's a few things that I want to share that are very personal to me, but I have no problem sharing because things happen because the Lord is good and the Lord is sovereign. Amen. This is my husband. This is my rock. This is my backbone. And I want to share with you church, some of you know, some of you don't. I am a cancer survivor. At the age of 29, I was diagnosed with cancer, and due to the cancer, I had to take certain measures where Personal, I needed to have my uterus removed because the cancer was found in my uterus. And what did that do? It left me barren physically. For many years, I'm going on nine years being cancer-free. Praise the Lord. Um, <sighs> I was angry with God because I became religious and Pharisee-ish because I told the Lord, I have served you my entire life. And when you do not learn to see things for what they are, you begin to put yourself above the things of God. And I said, how could you have allowed this when my entire youth I served you? I have lived for you. I was angry and it took many years for the Lord to heal my heart. Now, my husband and I have always said, Lord, our house is an open door to those who need you. And we've been telling the Lord that we want to be a place of refuge because we have much to be thankful for, you know? And it's taken me eight to nine years to say, you know what, husband? The Lord has given us promises that we will be parents. And I wasn't sure what route or how that would look like. When Omer began to speak about an unconventional road in the uncomfortable, something just started moving in me. And I said, okay, I need to walk out of my booth and come up here. Because my husband and I come from a place of abuse, both of us. I know we're not comfortable with that, but maybe one day. But we do come from a place of abuse in different areas of our lives. And about two weeks ago, we began the process of the adoption. We're moving with DCF. Now, when we say that the Lord takes us to places that we don't understand, I shared with some of you that I was heartbroken in our first class because the first thing they said, if you are here and you're looking for a baby, you are in the wrong spot because in this program, we have our kids who are seven and older. And immediately my humanity shut down. I just wanted to shut the computer and just run because the Lord knows that my desire is to have a child to experience that naturally. My husband being the, my backbone, he said, we're not gonna stop, we're gonna move forward. This Wednesday, we began our first classes. It's a three hour class for the next two months, every Wednesday. And they showed us a video of a little girl who had been physically abused. And out of nowhere, speaking to Debs um, and in China, I was telling them, you know what I've realized? My husband and I are not normal people. Because humanly speaking, the, the right of a woman is to be able to birth her own child, right? That's, that's what normal, the world tells me. And I told them, you know what? You and I are just not normal. The Lord created us abnormal. We're not normal people. We've lived so many things at such a young age. We've seen so many things. But yet the Lord chose this route for me and it's uncomfortable for me. It hurts for me to be able to understand that. But hearing what Omar said today, you need to be uncomfortable, comfortable in the uncomfortable. You need to take that road that is less traveled because you don't know who you're going to bless. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know the miracle that you're going to provide. So I was telling my husband, if I'm not going to get a baby, okay. If I'm going to get a seven-year-old who has been abused in countless ways, and we're going to be the ones that are going to restore them, then you know what? So be it. The Lord knows my heart, but the Lord knows that my my desire is to honor and please him. And I've always told him, Lord, we are yours. We're not going to take decisions. We're not going to do nothing. And as much as physically I could be in pain, I know that the Lord is going to flip it around for my good. And whatever baby we're going to have, it's going to come to nest and it's going to be loved by all you guys. It's going to be seen by you guys and we're going to change somebody's life. So I'm here to tell you, church, I don't know what unconventional road the Lord is leading you to, but we are not normal. None of us are normal. The moment that we decided to take that step and say, Lord, I follow you, done deal. So I'm just going to tell you today, Josue and I are not normal. We are completely abnormal. But I don't know in March, whatever's going to happen when I finish those classes. But I do know that that child that's going to come into our home, it's not about me and it's not about Josue. It's about that child. So I just want to encourage you guys, church. The Lord is speaking and it's up to us to be willing to just open our ears. Back there, I was like, Lord, I got to say something. I got to go up. I'm like, Omar, do you trust me? He's like, go ahead. I'm like, thank you. Because of what I got to say is big. So unconventional or not, your walk is not normal. Whatever situation you're coming across is not normal. Whatever's going to happen is not normal. But your God, he's the God of everything. He's the God who sees you. He's the God that knows you. And your heart is in his hands. Your situation is in his hands. And I know that down the road, I'm going to be rejoicing with my child up here because I'm going to teach them what it means to praise God in spirit and in truth. And I encourage you guys to do the same thing in your families and whatever, whatever broken homes you come from, whatever the situation may be. I've always said that this place is a house of healing. It's a refuge. And we are called to go out and bring refuge to others. My doors, me and Josue always talk about this. Our doors will always be open because we are two broken people that God flipped around and made us good for his glory. So I just wanted to push that on you guys in a sense like, It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter how you're hurting at this moment. God sees you. God knows you. But God has a greater plan for your life, for your family, for whatever situation. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go ahead and close off with that. I want to encourage you guys. And you guys are loved. You guys are free to go. Please get to know somebody. Say hi to your friends. Love on people. Remember that God is for you and he's never against you. Amen, church?